lot of views, a lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts on who Jesus is. So this morning we're going to start and we're going to take a look at some of the I am statements he's made. And one of the I am statements he makes is he says, I am the good shepherd. And no matter where you're at, uh, answering that question for you, whether you're a person that's just checking faith out, uh, whether you're a person that's skeptical, uh, whether it's a person that uh, you just want to grow your faith, understanding who Jesus is is important. Because if you're not into it, then you might as well decide you're not into it. And if you are into it, you might as well own it and have that become a part of who you are. Looks like some, well, I don't know, because this screen doesn't look the same, does it? Well, we're just going to not play with that. So anyway, so as we, as we think about that, and as I think about lambs, uh, I did not grow up in farm country. I mean, there was a farm down the street, but I grew up north of Boston. And uh, when I, when I uh, was growing up and, and you know, doing the animal thing, we basically didn't do the animal thing. We had a dog once. And so when it comes to this idea of thinking about a, um, thinking about a lamb and thinking about a shepherd, I don't have much experience with that. Um, the first time I really got an idea of who a lamb was was the fact that my brother, instead of having a teddy bear, had a lamb. And what, what, is, what do you think he called that stuffed little lamb? Lammy, right? And, you know, and so he had little lammy, and maybe he got it some Easter in his Easter basket or whatever. So he had lammy, and, and Jeff's three years younger than me. And so, you know, this lamb, you know, I, I, I kind of thought, wow, this is an opportunity to really uh, kind of tease my brother, push, on, push his buttons. And those of you who are older siblings, who are the older siblings? Some of you, okay? Who are the younger? Yeah, you don't like us. You're not going to like this story. So what I would do to Lammy is I would actually take Lammy sometimes, and I would actually put him in my sister's pretend oven. You know, you have one of those little kid things. And when I did that, I had sound effects and everything. You know, the lamb's in there going, wah, wah. and Jeffrey's like freaking out that his lamb is in this thing. I mean, he's, he's never brought it up to me uh, since then, but he does have a master's in counseling, so maybe that's uh, <laughs> some of the uh, problem there. So uh, we'll see if we can get this going. So anyway, so that's basically my experience in I was going to actually show you a little video I did about five years ago at the McDonald's farm where they actually showed me what sheep were. And uh, I touched them. I picked them up. I, I was a little apprehensive of them. I was a little actually scared of them. I kind of stayed on the edge, but I uh, got to see what uh, they really were like. And um, so anyway, so, you know, this idea about lamb and shepherding, I, you know, all I know is what I've read and what the McDonald's have told me about that. But Jesus does say, or actually Isaiah says this, he says, we are all like sheep who have wandered off and have gotten lost. We all have done our own thing, gone our own way. And this is Isaiah, a prophet inspired by God, writes these words down, uh, explaining how we as human beings basically are very sheep-like. And a part of being very sheep-like is that we wander off, uh, that we do get lost, that we do do our own thing, that we go our own way. 
and we look at our world and we see some of the things that are going on and we go, wow. We look at our own worlds and we go, wow. And uh, years ago, there was a, a hymn. Some of you are familiar with it. I remember singing as a boy. It was a song and it included this little phrase called prone to wander. And that was a song, not for those who were still trying to discover what faith meant and what it meant to be a Christ follower. That was a song sung by people who, um, who actually had decided to follow Christ. So those who had been Christ followers for a long time, and the song said that basically we are prone to wander. And it's like built into our DNA. And all throughout the Older Testament... All throughout the New Testament and places, there's this idea of us being like sheep because we wander off, we get lost. Um, when I went over to uh, meet with the McDonald's and kind of get the lay of the land, uh, one of the things they kept saying, and I thought it was very unkind, very uh, not very nice because it was a word we weren't allowed to use in our home. They said, sheep are stupid. And I was like, oh, and they kept saying it over and over again, all the trouble they would get into. So... Glad you're here at Seneca Community Church. Sorry to burst your bubbles, but you're like sheep. And I won't say the other thing. I am like a sheep, too. So, so Jesus nails us right where it counts when he says this. He gets this idea that uh, that's, that's kind of where, where we're at. And in that, in that verse that talks about us being sheep and gone astray, the second part of that verse is just really powerful. It says, and God has piled all our sins... And when you hear the word sins, sins is the idea of uh, not measuring up to God's standards. Sins has the idea of self-centeredness. Uh, some of us have a problem with thinking that we have sin in our life, that we're sinful, or at least a little baby sinful. And I've shared this with you a lot of times. Uh, you believe this about me, you know, putting my brother's uh, lamb in the little oven and, you know, making lamb burning sounds in there and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I remember when our kids were little, we did not have to teach them how to be self-centered. It just came naturally. We didn't have to teach them to say, that's mine, rip it out of their other somebody else's hands. Uh, we didn't have to teach them how to throw something. We, we didn't have to do any of those things. It just came natural. So the second part of Isaiah 53, 6b, which I do think is in your message guide, says, and God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong on him. And what's amazing about Isaiah the prophet is he wrote this hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scenes, before Jesus gives his life for us. And the imagery is there that it's really him. All our sins have been piled on. He, he pays the price of our sins. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like you to switch over to John chapter 10, uh, verse 12. You can actually find that on page 748 on the Bible around you in the rack, or you can power up your... Um, electronic device and follow along. A really great uh, app for that is Uversion, and uh, that just is a free app, and you can put all kinds of different Bible translations right on your phone, right on your tablet, so I encourage you to do that. John chapter 10, uh, verse 12, uh, page 748, beginning in verse 12. The hired hand is not the shepherd. It does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons them. He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. 
Now, in Jesus' culture, there were sheep, uh, there was a shepherd, and uh, sometimes if you were more of a wealthy man, you didn't have to care for your sheep yourself. You would hire someone, but just like you who own businesses, you notice that a lot of times when it's your business, you handle it differently than somebody who's quote-unquote a hired hand. Many times, a hired hand doesn't care for what they're doing the same way you do if you own it. And so Jesus is starting to talk about shepherds. He's starting to talk about his, his, the nation of Israel, us eventually, as being this idea that we're sheep. And he said, the hired hand uh, just, just does not care for the sheep and does not do it well. And uh, he goes on in verse 14. And this is where he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And see, this is remarkable. This is unbelievable. So Jesus is saying, I'm a good shepherd, referring that there are not good shepherds, and what I do is I care for my sheep so much that I would actually give my life for them. And the Father knows it, and he loves the fact that I'm willing to lay down my life for the sheep, because the sheep need a Savior. They need a good shepherd. Going on into verse 16, we read, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. Now, there's a great little discussion of what that really means, but Jesus' primary audience were other Jewish people, Israelites, Jewish people. So when he says this, he's inferring, and probably a lot of us don't have a Jewish history to our lives. Wow, my watch is... This is a crazy... What's going on? (laughs) Yes, love, uh, that's okay. You know, I love my watch, but it's talking to me. But anyway, (laughs) I didn't say... Siri, but anyway, okay. Um, but the, but the idea here is that this this sheep pen that he's building would include all of us, those of us who are not Jewish, and and again, this is radical, radical thinking for the people that are listening to that all of us can get in on this. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd referring to him himself, Christ. And the idea that Christ would lay his life down for us so that all of us could be his sheep, because as we've talked about, and we'll show that verse in a couple minutes, uh, the idea that when we don't have a shepherd, we get into all kinds of trouble. We go on to verse 17. It says, The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. And that has Resurrection Sunday. That has Easter next week written all over it. Jesus says that I will lay down my life. And if he laid down his life and didn't take it up again, there'd be no reason for us to meet today. No reason. The resurrection, getting your mind around that, getting your mind around that is key to following Christ and being connecting to God through Christ. Without a resurrection, Jesus had some great sayings. 
He was a sweet man. He rocked the boat of the establishment, revolutionary to some degree, but end of story. But the fact that he rose again changes everything. And as you look across our world, as you look across our country, you see, or just our world, you see the positive impact of what he did in that resurrection. When we think of that resurrection, we think of a historical, actual event. And again, that's hard because we haven't seen that. But the transformation, the change, is just, is just so, so huge. Then we move on, and uh, let's, uh, let's see here. And then we come back to, uh, if you go back to verse 1 of uh, chapter 10, it says, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. And really, what we're, what we're getting at here is, again, there is a bad shepherd. There's, not a, there's a thief. There's, there's one who wants to, to steal and destroy. There's one who dispels evil in our world. And we would say that, that that is the devil. That is Satan. Now, some of you may not be, go, well, you know, I can believe in a God, but I can't believe in, like, there's this, there's this, this, this evil personality. Maybe it's evil force or whatever, but it's not a person. But at least when you boil it all down, you, you have to come to a conclusion that, that there is seem to be some kind of evilness and some kind of heaviness that, that goes across our globe. And, and I would say it's produced by, by, by Satan, by, by the devil. But however you want to define that, that's up to you. But the idea is that it, it is there, and it, it's this attitude of destroying. When we hear about these tragedies, these mass shootings, all this kind of stuff going on, just people being just mean and nasty and unkind to others, you can see this evil, and you can see just how it, it just flows out there. Um, we read in verse 10.10, uh, 10, it says that a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. So this idea is that this evil in this world and Christ comes to set things right. And you might say, why does God even allow things to, to happen like that? It's because he's giving us a free choice. A couple weeks ago, I talked about how God doesn't force himself on us. And we're going like, great, I'm happy he doesn't force himself on me. But I wish he would force himself on that other person, that other concept, that other... But no, no, it's, it's, you got it or you don't got it. It can't be either way. So if he's not going to force himself on you, he's not going to force himself on that person that's really off the rails. He lets that go. And, but he offers real life, life based in him. He offers eternal life, which continues on. When you say yes to Christ, you say yes to God, new life in him begins, and it never ends. Your body may die, but it continues on for eternity. And he offers us more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And I could, I could bring up some individuals. that would, And it wouldn't be Dave Spencer speaking, someone who's not the pastor, but other individuals who have gone, you know, just lived their lives, done, you know, had families and, uh, you know, had a job and all those kind of things, and things have been fine, haven't been like stellar, but fine. And they would come up to you and say, you know, when I said yes to Christ, it changed everything. And now I am experiencing a better life than I ever dreamed of. It doesn't mean it's perfect. It's a better life than I ever dreamed of. And I'm looking forward to eternal life, the next chapter in life. And I've experienced that. Now, when, when we talk about, when we talk about um, 
lambs and sheep and all of those kinds of things. We have to realize that, again, in the Older Testament and New Testament, it's probably mentioned hundreds of times, this, this word, this idea of, of sheep. And uh, with all that, uh, we could go through and we can make some, just some conclusions. First of all, sheep tend to do a number of things. First of all, sheep tend to be distracted. They tend to be distracted. And uh, they just get going in different ways. They see something and they kind of move in that direction, whether it's a, 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 a disaster, a bad thing. They just keep moving in that way. Um, I, I read somewhere that uh, if, one sh- if there's a, like a bunch of sheep and uh, they're moving in one direction and the first one goes over a cliff, they just, they just keep going. They don't stop. They don't go like, whoa! You know, they just keep, you know, they're just distracted. They're not paying attention. And, and I hate to say this, I can be distracted. I'm sure none of you can be, but I can be distracted. I actually can know a way to be, and I get distracted. I start going in a different direction. And, and if the people I travel with, the herd I travel with, have lots of influence in my life, I can be just like one of those stupid sheep. I can, they're going over the cliff. I'm going over the cliff with them. I can be distracted. Even when I say I'm a Christ follower, even when I am a Christ follower, I, I need a good shepherd. And I think you need a good shepherd also. Um, also, we see that, uh, secondly there, it's, uh, we see that they're vulnerable. Uh, sheep don't have any defensive system. It's not like they, you know, they have these big fangs that, that, you know, that come out of their mouth or these big, you know, awesome bing, you know, these claws come out. They, they have nothing like that. They're just, they're just sheep. I don't know if you heard, saw the news recently, this big bird like killed its, its uh, owner just recently. It was in the news the last couple of days. It was this 120-pound bird, and uh, he fell down, and this bird has four-inch claw things, and just, it was, it was, it was messy. And, uh, just took his own route. I mean, sheep have nothing like that. They're vulnerable. And I don't care who you are, I don't care who I am, I need a good shepherd because I am vulnerable. I'm vulnerable, yes, physically, but I'm also vulnerable emotionally and spiritually, and and I need a good shepherd that that guides me and leads me and takes care of me. Um, Also, also we see that uh, sheep are stubborn. Uh, they just keep going. There's one person I was uh, talking about, and they, were, they said, there's actually times where a sheep will get like stuck in between two rocks. And instead of backing up, they keep trying to go forward. They, they, they just cannot get out. You know, on, those, on trucks now, you know, if you back up, there's beep, beep, beep. There's none of that. They just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, and won't back up. But I've met people that are that way too. They're stuck, and they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And at times, I've been guilty of that. The same thing, placing the same value on things that really shouldn't, I shouldn't put value on. Keeping the same attitude instead of letting my attitude change. Just keep going, and I get more stuck and more stuck, and more stuck, and more stuck. You see, sheep tend to be stubborn, and and so do we. 
Also, sheep tend to be messy. Um, if I showed you that video, you know, eventually I get to the point where actually they help, the, the McDonald boys help me put the sheep like on my, on my back, you, you know, and it's not like a huge one, but it's, it's pretty big and it's up there, you know, kind of doing the shepherd thing, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, but afterwards I wanted to wash my coat because that thing was disgusting. You know, it stunk, and, and they make the joke, well, you know, if you touch its wool, you get, you know, like a little uh, oil on your hands. It's like Vaseline. So I think I'd rather just use Vaseline than, you know, <laughs> you know going out and go, hey, sheepy, you know, no, 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 no. Oh, no, my hands won't crack. Now, you know, because they kind of are gross, uh, stinky. And the reality is the way we live can be stinky, can be gross. That's just, that's just who we are. Again, aren't you happy you came for an encouraging Palm Sunday message? You're distracted, you're vulnerable, you're stubborn, you're messy, you're stinky. And one that I didn't put in there that I decided I would add, and I, call, I text messaged Joe McDonald yesterday just to confirm he's my resident shepherd expert. And uh, I said, uh, are sheep ever mean? Couldn't remember. And he said, they can be very mean. And so sometimes, just like sheep, we can be very mean. Some of you um, may be back at church for the first time in a long while because someone was very mean to you and they were a Jesus follower. You see, sheep can be very mean. And I bet you at least once in your life, you as a sheep, you as a Christ follower, you as someone who has the good shepherd as your shepherd have been a little mean, a little bit unkind. You could probably march my three, four ladies in my life, my wife and my three daughters, and they probably could come up with two times <laughs> that I've been mean, very mean. You see, as sheep, we can be that way. We, we need a good shepherd. Reference this uh, verse uh, about, Matt, about Jesus saying as he's looking out at the multitudes a couple weeks ago, and we read this, and it says, when, when, you, when he looked over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. And a lot of times I have to remind myself, because I would consider myself an under-shepherd, but I have to remind myself as a pastor, as a shepherd, that instead of getting irritated when people act like sheep, I need to have compassion. It needs to break my heart. Not enabling them, not looking the other way, not pretending, but not getting angry with them, but breaks my heart. Because the reason any of us, whether we've said yes or no to Christ, anytime you and I are confused and aimless, and that's a season of life, it's because we're living like sheep without a shepherd. So when I get in a situation and the awareness of issues becomes anxiety, awareness is okay, don't stick your head in the sand, but when awareness becomes anxiety, I have to say, am I following the good shepherd? Because if I'm anxious, at least in my life, 99% of the times it's because I'm not following the good shepherd. I'm living life like a sheep with no shepherd. 
And when someone comes into your life that's living like a sheep with no shepherd, they're, they're being stubborn, they're doing all those kinds of things. I have to ask myself, am I brokenhearted? Do I have compassion? Or, or, do, I, or do I not want to have anything to do with them? Uh, sometimes I have to ask myself when it comes to my kids, and I've shared this to you, with you before, sometimes the reason I want my kids not to live messy lives is because I don't want to live with the mess myself. If you could keep your messiness like over there at your apartment, your house, you know, don't, don't call me about it. Last night one of the kids was going someplace and they're talking to us on the phone and, and they're calling and they go, oh, I got in the car and it's only 15 miles before empty. I'm like, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. You know, it's 9.30 at night. I got to go get gas. I'm like, I just don't want to know that. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I, I just... I don't need the extra stress. But see, a good shepherd takes that and says, I want, I want goodness in your life. I want good, healthy living patterns in your life. Not just so that the mess doesn't blow back or the stink doesn't come into my life. It's because I want you as a kid, I want you as a person to live the life that the ultimate good shepherd wants for you. That I want you to experience life the best you can. Again, Jesus is never bothered when we get stuck in the rock and we ask for his help. He wants to be that good shepherd. So what good shepherds do? we got a couple things here. Some are going to be pretty obvious to you, but as we're going through them, I want you to think, pretty obvious, but is that actually my reality in my life? Pretty obvious, but is that the way I interact with the good shepherd in my life? Is, is Jesus really my good shepherd? We sang a lot of great songs about Jesus saves. Has, has he really saved you? Are you a cultural Christian? Uh, or has it changed your heart? Is it inside, not just here? And then for those of us, it's here and here. Is it mostly here? Is it the way we operate our lives. So what do good shepherds do? The good shepherd puts the sheep before himself, sacrifices himself even if necessary. I love the way Eugene Peterson translates or paraphrases or renders verse 11. Because those of us who are Christ followers have to ask do we follow the role model of the good shepherd? How are we at putting others before ourselves? How are we at sacrificing ourselves if necessary for someone else? Now, most of us in this room will never have to put our actual life on the line. But there are pieces of our life we have to put on the line. There's our time. There's our money. There's our emotional energy. Again, whether they've only got 15 miles till empty in their car or they're in Rochester, you know, that's not costing me anything. It's costing me emotional anxiety. I don't like that. Told them that a bunch, a million times. They keep doing it. Don't ever let your gas tank get below half. Then it never happens. But anyway, anyway, just saying. So but sacrifices, 
Some of us, some of us wouldn't mind throwing a lot of money at something. We've got a problem and we just throw money at it. We just don't want the emotional thing at it, whatever it is. Fortunately, we have a good shepherd who we're to emulate that puts the sheep before himself time and time again and sacrificed himself if necessary. And it absolutely was necessary. So what do they do? First thing is a good shepherd will lead others. Good shepherds lead. Uh, We also tie into the concepts that come out of uh, Psalm 23. Many of us are familiar with that. And in Psalm 23, verse 3, we read, He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. He guides me. He guides me. The question is, do we, do we actually listen to him? Do we embrace his guidance or shut him out? And I'll say to this, if you're a regular Christ follower and you want him to guide you because you've come to the conclusion, wow, I need a good shepherd, you need to be regularly exposed to him through his word, through church things, what you listen to, all that stuff, so that you have all this in you, all these resources, so you know how to follow his lead. He guides me along the right paths. Sometimes, I I don't like to realize this, it's the good shepherd was guiding me, and I ignored him, and I got on a wrong path, and now I'm living with the consequences of that. And in faith in Christ, there's not a magic pixie dust. Oh, I'm sorry, God. And he goes, oh, don't worry about it. You know, sh- 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 like nothing happened. Some of the learning, some of the leading is to let us deal with the consequences. Sometimes the, the payback of those consequences isn't as long as it ought to be. He gives us grace, but there are consequences. But he leads me back to John 10, verses 3 through 4. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. I love that line. The sheep listen to his voice. If you've said yes to Christ, do you listen to his voice? Do, do you know his voice? He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out all his own, he goes ahead of them. It's interesting. There's a different kind of shepherding. Uh, some of the times we see shepherding almost like with a horse and guys like, it's like cattle ranching and uh, sometimes see it with uh, you know, sheep dogs and those kinds of things. In this style of shepherding, the shepherd was on the ground. He was there. He led them. He led them out. And the idea here is too is in small villages they would have a, a sheep pen and everybody would park their sheep in the same sheep pen. So when it was time to go in the morning... They would stand at the gate, the gatekeeper would open the gate, and, and the shepherd would you know, say whatever he said to his sheep, and only his sheep would come out. And then they would follow him up into the pastures because they knew his name. The other sheep wouldn't follow a different shepherd. They'd be scared of that voice. But his own sheep knew his voice. Follow him. And I love the fact that it goes, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And there's also the idea, again, that, that uh, he knows our voice. The girls are getting older now, and sometimes they're going someplace with mom, and, 
and they get the cell phone going. They're calling me and talking to me, and, and I see Cindy's number comes up, so I think it's Cindy, and it's one of my girls talking on her phone, and, and, and it takes a few moments because the three girls, three daughters, sound exactly the same. And it takes a few moments for me to know who is actually talking with me. And sometimes they say who they are with disgust because I get it wrong. But if I listen, I normally can eventually, the way they talk, the speed at which they talk, how they talk, can figure out which one's calling me. And then I go, oh, it's Hannah, oh, it's Sarah, it's, oh, it's Mariah. Even though their voices sound very similar. The same thing happens for a Christ follower. She, there are a lot of voices out there. There are a lot of okay voices. There are a lot of distracting voices. There are a lot of guilty things we feel guilt for that God says you don't have to feel guilty anymore, and it motivates us, it drives us, and we hear that voice, and it's not really his voice. But we have to know the way he talks, the rhythm, the speed he talks at. And the only way that's possible is to spend time with him. Because there are people that sound like his voice. Really disturbs me sometimes when I uh, listen to people, you know, flipping the TV and I come across some evangelist who's got the voice of God, but he really doesn't have the voice of God. He's got all this crazy stuff going on. And then there are people that just blind, because he's got a Bible in his hand, says a couple verses, they'll, they'll go, they'll just blindly follow. They, they don't realize that that really isn't God's voice. That takes time, that takes experience to really be able to identify, oh, that's Hannah, oh, that's Sarah, oh, that's Mariah. And, and there's no shortcuts to that. And those of us who have followed Christ for a little while should be getting better at identifying his voice. Also, we see that uh, he corrects. He corrects. In Job 17, verse 17 and 5, 17 and 18, it says, Blessed is the one, the, blessed is the one whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, referring to God. For he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but he also... Um, but his hand also heals. I couldn't, sorry, couldn't read it. <laughs> like, what's that word? But his hand also heals. The idea here is that when a sheep would get out of a line, sometimes they would actually break its leg if the sheep got into trouble. And then the shepherd would bind that leg up and take that sheep and carry that little lamb until the lamb could walk again. And then after that point, the lamb would be right next to that shepherd and wouldn't get distracted. And I bet you, you have some situations in your life where it felt like the Lord let you break your leg or broke it. And the response is, is then after that heals up, and after you can walk again, are you right next to him, or are you off again? And uh, this, this little line in this book I've been reading uh, at the end of this chapter says, uh, basically, I hope he doesn't have to learn the hard way. And to me, a sheep that has its leg broken, some hard thing happened into life, the Lord binds it all up, 
helps heal the little lamb, and they don't get it, and they're off again, has an has a attitude of learning things the hard way. And I don't want to have to learn things the hard way. I don't want to have to learn the same thing over and over again the hard way. I want to get beyond that. But the good shepherd corrects. And I love, and I love the fact that when, when Job writes this or when it's recorded, it says, but his hand also heals. That gives me the imagery that God is actually involved touching a part of our healing. doesn't leave it for somebody else. He actually comes alongside us and is up close to heal us. So his correction is something that's wonderful. Uh, sometimes I meet people and they've gotten so disgusted with somebody and they can see him going the wrong direction and they can see that they're heading straight from a wall, but they're like, I'm, not, I'm just going to let them hit that wall. And, uh, and boom, life blows up, mess, all that stuff. Sometimes... You've told the person a billion times, and, but there are times where I think they gave up too early. And what's great about the good shepherd, he doesn't give up too early. He's there. In Luke 15, 4 through 6, again, this idea of shepherding and this idea, the imagery that goes along with that says this, suppose one of you have a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Suppose you have a hundred of anything. hundred dollars, you lose one. I don't know, whatever it is, what would you do? Ah, you know, most of us wouldn't, wouldn't bother. Not the good shepherd. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on its shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. We have a good shepherd that goes after us. So wherever you are in your walk, if you're kind of put a wall up, if you're kind of going the right, going a different direction, and you just kind of rolled in here because it's Palm Sunday, remember, just maybe you being here today, maybe you being in contact with someone else is the sign of the good shepherd going after you because he's a good shepherd. He wants you. And he, he values the 99, but he also values the one. So as we wrap things up, I want us to think about two things. We're all in a different place. Some of us, this is kind of new. Uh, some of us have not said yes to Jesus being our good shepherd. And basically what's involved with that is realizing that uh, I have a need. I acknowledge that I need forgiveness in my life. I need a shepherd in my life. And Jesus offers himself. God offers himself to us. And he doesn't force it on it. He offers. We need to believe that he gave his life for us. He died, and again, very key, he rose again. And then we choose to follow him. And when we come to that place in our life, think it in our heart, and we say a prayer that expresses our heart, 
then we begin this life having Jesus be our good shepherd. Doesn't mean life all of a sudden becomes magically perfect, but what it does mean is you have a good shepherd that is always there to lead you. And then for us that have said that we've already done that, that he is our good shepherd, not in a condemning way, but in a more you're missing out way, don't, don't, don't you want to experience the good shepherd in every part of your life? Don't you want to have him leading you and guiding you and correcting you and protecting you? Don't, don't you want that in, in your life? And if you're saying those things aren't really apparent in my life, maybe it's just me, but I, the first place I would look at, I would ask and go, am I letting the good shepherd really be my good shepherd? Because those are indicators to me from afar, I'm not in your life, but from afar that you're not letting him shepherd you. And so, so that, that's really important because, you know, we are to be led by God. But then the second, the flip side of that, and, you know, none of us who have said yes to Christ, none of us who are following his lead are ever going to be the perfect shepherd. But I do think we can become better shepherds. And have to ask ourselves, are we just looking at faith? Are we just looking at God to be our shepherd? Or are we trying to use what God has done in our life to lead others? Because all of us who have said yes to Christ, all of us who have Jesus as the good shepherd, ought to be in some sense shepherding others, guiding others. And sometimes that happens just with our lifestyle. We point to Christ and they say, there's something different, hopefully good different, but something different about that person. What's different about them? Oh, they, they claim to follow Christ. Well, I can see it has a positive effect in their life. And they see it. So you're, in a sense, leading by example. Uh, maybe you need to care. Maybe you need to protect. Maybe you need to come alongside. Because it, it, this, can make, this can makes me irritated and, and a little angry and a little upset with myself. But I think some of us have just become good sheep and follow his lead, but have forgotten about leading others. And it's pretty selfish to have a good shepherd and enjoy that all that comes along with that and not share that with somebody else. Our uh, bottom line is this. We are led by God to lead others to God. We are led by God to lead others to God. And that is huge. I'm not just saved for myself. I'm just not all set in the heck, I might use another word, with everybody else. No, you, we are led by God to lead others to him. And when we start to get into all of that, when that starts to become the operating system of our lives, we find ourselves experiencing that full life, that life better than we could ever dreamed of because not only are we having that good shepherd effect in our lives, 
but we're finding that our life has meaning by being a good shepherd to some extent in somebody else's life. Let's pray. Father, we just uh, thank you for your word. We're thankful for the examples. We're thankful for the way Jesus is the perfect, the good shepherd. Many of us in this room have experienced that, and we can say, wow, he is a good shepherd. And we ask that you would help us not only be led by him, but to lead others to him and to you. And Father, if there's anyone in this room this morning that has not said yes to you, has not asked you into their life, has not accepted that free gift, has not have made that word Hosanna, God saves, a reality in their life, I pray in this very moment, in their hearts, they would say, Lord, I want you a part of my life. I thank you for giving your life. I thank you that you died for me and rose again. I'm choosing to follow you. Be the good shepherd for me. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.